Enviar nota de voz al group chat. Buenos días, ¿quieren desayuno de McDonald's? Judith dice, eres la mejor. Un sausage McMuffin, please. Laura dice, sí, sausage McGriddles para mí. Ale dice, ya comí, pero me traes un hash browns. Love you. El, mi colega favorita, tío. Llévate todos tus favoritos de desayuno como un sausage McMuffin por unos pocos dólares. Solo en el $1, $2, $3 dollar menu de McDonald's. Precios y participación pueden variar. No puede ser combinado con un combo meal. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Check it out at audibletrial.com slash business growth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, uh, business leaders of all kinds. Um, this is really uh, due to the great uh, folks who join me on this podcast uh, to have a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Uh, that way you can take what you need, you can get the answers you're looking for, tips, ideas that you can implement in your business so that you can do better things. Today, we have such a great guest. Uh, my guest today is Jason Bay. Jason is the Chief Revenue Officer at Blissful Prospecting. He doesn't believe that prospecting is just a numbers game or that it has to suck. The crew at Blissful Prospecting help sales teams remove the mystery of what to say in their outbound calls and emails. This is something I know we all deal with and struggle with, so get ready for a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jason. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This is a, a great topic. And I'm wondering if we can start uh, with what you see as the biggest mistake salespeople make when they're prospecting. Yeah. So there's a couple of like really big things and I'm calling this outbound 3.0, which <laughs> is essentially the shift. Uh, so the, the history of outbound in doing this type of cold outreach has changed a lot in the last 10 or 15 years. It used to be you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, you could really get away with like a murder by numbers approach, right? People yeah. didn't really know what merge tags were and sales emails, and you could have some tools and things like that to help you. And then Outbound 2.0, you 
was what happened in the late 2000s up until about 2016, 2017. And this is when like the tools started to get really sophisticated. And for personalization, all I had to do was say, hey, so-and-so noticed you're a Red Sox fan. And that like really impressed people, right? And now people are getting really desensitized to that. And the biggest mistakes and the transitions that sales teams really need to go through is in three areas. Um, So they really need to make the shift from mass blast to quality. So how can I reduce the volume, research companies before I reach out, make sure I know who I'm reaching out to, what their problems are, how I can help them, et cetera. The other big mistake that I see sales teams making is being very product centric in their messaging. So that's the, our features do this and they do that. And here's the benefits of that, Uh, you know, versus being buyer centric, you know, leading with how you can make the prospect the hero instead of your product. And that really comes out in a lot of cold emails, starting with, you know, Hey Dan, my name's Jason and we work with these customers and our product is so awesome because of this, right? Typical cold email that you see. Yeah. And then the third area is, really taking the, that first initial sales conversation, uh, instead of approaching it as like taking something from the prospect, like qualifying them and, and that kind of thing, like taking the opportunity to actually teach them something. So a lot of what I'm seeing right now is there needs to be a reason to hop on that first call. It can't just be, let's chat for 15 minutes so I can learn about your challenges. There really needs to be some sort of insights or something that you're sharing. Well, with the prospect. So those are just kind of a long-winded answer to your question there, but they, those are the three mistakes that I see salespeople making. Okay, I, and I appreciate that. And I, can you give me an example of what you mean by um, the third thing you think people need to do where they're you know, offering something of value? What would that look like? Yeah, so, so if I was sending you a cold email or uh, making a cold call to you, Diane, I, I might say something like this. Um, so I talked about a challenge that you have. Hey, let's pretend you're a VP of sales. Okay. You know, hey, Dan, um, you know, not sure if you're experiencing this, but one challenge that I hear uh, from VPs of sales is that when they walk out on the sales floor, it's a little quieter than they'd like it to be. And for whatever reason, the reps are not getting the type of response rates that they'd like from their cold outreach. And one of the things that we're doing right now is I noticed that you're a uh, you know, SaaS company. It looks like you guys have about 100 employees. Is I'd love to share with you you know, two or three strategies that other SaaS companies around that size are doing to increase their response rates. So do you have some time, like maybe later today or tomorrow, I could, I could share a couple of those things with you and, and also learn a little bit more about what, what you have going on and, and what your challenges might be? You know, something, something along those lines. So uh, I, th- that is so interesting. So you've, you've researched them enough that you know something about them. You don't know what their challenges are. I like the way you worded that. That, that you don't know if it's something they're going through, but you know, yeah. you've, you've you know, been in contact with other companies like them that have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, you mentioned something so important there where, you know, I like to use the analogy of a personal trainer. So if you have some extra weight on you and you go to the gym and a personal trainer approaches you and says, hey, I noticed you have some extra weight on you. Do you want to sign up for a session? You're going to be like, get away from me, dude. Yeah. You're not going to be responsive to that. But if they're like, hey, you know, looks like you probably have everything together here, but you know, I am working with some people and helping them figure out like the best workout routine for their body type that they would also really enjoy. Would you like to do like a free session? I can talk you through some of that stuff and what that might look like for you. 
like a completely different you know, type of offer there. So I always say with prospecting, instead of leading with being assumptive, lead yeah. with curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Be curious because you yeah. actually don't know what their challenges are, no matter how much research you do, yeah. but you can also start to categorize. I talk to a lot of directors and VPs of sales at very specific types of companies. And I, I kind of know what their challenges probably are, but I can't assume that they have those challenges because yes. people just don't want to talk uh, to people that think they know it all. Exactly. I'm totally with this. I think one of the biggest, and I, and I get the cold outreach like that where they'll say, um, I'm sure you're dealing with X, Y, and Z. And my initial thought is, well, A, no, I'm not. And B, how can you be sure of that? Just because I'm in a certain yeah. industry doesn't mean I'm having that experience. And it's totally off-putting. Yeah. Well, when you think about why, another thing I'm really fascinated is in the psychology of why people decide to change. Because that's what you're getting someone to do when you, when you prospect is you're getting them to consider changing. Yeah. Because no matter what your product does or your service or your solution, they're already taking care of that in some way or another right now. Yeah. So you have to go. And one thing you can assume is that they're taking care of what you're presenting. They're taking care of that somehow, even if they're doing it themselves and there's a lot of pain in doing that. But if you think about why people actually do decide to consider change, it's not always pain driven that makes them have that first conversation. Some companies, you know, the ones that are like really doing well, want to continue doing well and, yeah. and crushing their competition. So leading with pain doesn't always work. They might end up buying your solution at the end of the day, because there's some sort of gap or pain in the way they're doing it right now that you help them uncover. But from a prospecting point of view, people are getting, I mean, do you get those emails where people just lead? Like, I mean, you said you got one, you know, an example of one where it's just so pain driven, you kind of get desensitized to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, and for me, it's, it's more than being desensitized. It, it's, um, I find it uh, totally uh, off-putting because they are making assumptions that yeah. I have some sort of pain instead of asking the question, you, you know, it, it, it's, it, I might have that pain, but if you assume I have it without really having the conversation with me, like I really liked your example of the personal trainer. So you're letting me come to it and say, oh, you know what, I would like to, that would be interesting to learn about that. I've wondered about that. I'm still not yeah. saying I have any sort of pain, but I, maybe I have a curiosity about something. Yeah. So, and, and, and I totally agree with you that curiosity has to um, carry the day. I, I, I'm currently in the process of putting out my next book. And part of it is that the ABCs of sales have changed from always be closing to always be curious. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And for the that. very reason that you're talking about, I mean, it's just, you know, we got to shift our mindset because the way we're approaching is not working, right? Yeah. Buyers have working. more control than they've ever yes. had in the sales process. They're choosing to engage with salespeople later on in the process. Yeah. So with Outbound, what you have to take in consideration is that when you look at that traditional buyer's journey of, you know, awareness, interest, consideration, and the decision, you were with outbound, you're probably not going to get a hold of the person when they're in that 
like interest and consideration stage and they might not even be in the awareness stage yet. There's like another stage prior to that where you need to educate them. Yeah. And part of educating is getting people to be open-minded about something and yes. meeting with curiosity, right? Otherwise, you know, it's like giving advice to people. Right. The best advice is the <laughs> advice that you ask for, right? Most people don't yeah. like it when people right. give them advice. But if someone asks you a question like, hey, yeah. hey, have you ever thought of doing this like this? Or, hey, have you ever thought about why you do things that way? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. So are there some channels that are better for prospecting than others? Yeah. So when you're making this product-centric to buyer-centric uh, transformation in this engaged stage where you're starting conversations with people, one of the biggest things you want to do is use a multi-touch, multi-channel, it's called a cadence. And a sales cadence is essentially a sequence of activities that you use to get in contact with a prospect. So the really important part of this is that it is multi-channel. So the old school way of doing things is you could just send us cold email to people and that was really effective. And now you can get tools for 19 bucks a month and you can spam as many people as you want. So people are really getting a lot of emails. They're getting a lot of calls. So when you can mix channels together, it increases the effectiveness by two to three times. So SalesLoft is a sales engagement platform and they essentially have a platform that you know, helps you execute on these cadences. So they have like millions of data points and they showed that when you mix like phone and email together, it's almost three times as effective as just doing phone or mm. just doing email. And what I think, because it's really hard to know actually what's going on is that if you, if you just think about it, some people like communicating through phone and some like communicating through email and some prospects I talk to only want to you know, chat through LinkedIn. Right. So you're hitting people in different channels with different context and you're hitting them in a, in a platform that actually might be their favorable uh, method of communicating. And a lot of this is this empathy piece of like what I really suggest sales teams and, and founders do is interview your customers. And instead of doing like a product centric interview, ask them about why they decided to take your sales call and ask them about like why oh. they decided to hop on a call with you, what their challenge was, ask them, do you prefer, like when you get cold outreach, if it's good, are you more likely to pick up the phone or are you more likely to respond to an email or do you LinkedIn? If you can just ask your customers this, because it really depends, there's no clear answer on what it should be, because right. it's really contextual to the industry, it's contextual to the persona, you know, the job title of the person you're reaching out to, but what I've learned in my experience is to not make too many assumptions around this kind of thing and just really test it. I think that's really great advice. I think people pick the way that's most comfortable for themselves yeah. instead of what's most effective for who they're reaching out to. One other point, I agree with you on that. Yeah. One other point too, is if you think about it with emails, if you're really good at getting people to open up your cold email, you have a 50% open rate. That's pretty good. Yeah. That means that 50% of the people never opened your email and it might not even like it might've gone through the promotions or updates folder. If you're not calling those people, you literally didn't get a, a shot at all. Yeah. Getting a hold of them. Right. Right. I get it. That's interesting. Are there any um, avenues that you think people shouldn't take? Or when you talk about this cadence, is there an order to it? Yeah, so what I can do is give you some uh, guidelines and okay. then where there's some flexibility. 
So with cadences, the first part is that they're multi-channel. So I recommend if you're only going to use two channels that you at least use phone and email. Okay. And then you can add LinkedIn on there as a third, but LinkedIn's really kind of hit or miss in my experience, depending mm -hmm. on who you're reaching out to. The other part is that they are multi-touch. So that means you want 12 to 15 touches. So if you call someone and then email them, that's two touches. So you want 12 to 15 touches over the course of 30 to 45 days. The reason for the range is it's just gonna like vary depending on who you're reaching out to. And you wanna test this with a sales engagement tool like a sales loft, an outreach or an Apollo. Um, the other part to this is the space between the touches. So typically what you wanna do is have the spaces between the touches closer together at the beginning of the sequence and then kind of taper off as hmm. you go. So what you might do, uh, my favorite thing to do is send two emails and then call people. And then what I'll do is I'll prioritize the people opening the emails. I'll, I'll call those people. So I know if they're opening the email oh. multiple times and they're not responding, people just get busy for whatever right. reason. There might be a little bit of awareness around like who I am at that point. Yeah. And I could say something like, hey, this is Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Does, does that ring a bell? And if they had just opened up my email, oftentimes it does. That doesn't mean they're going to be super interested yeah. <laughs> necessarily. It's like I got to work for it. Um, yeah. I have some other attacks, you know, for that too. Uh, does that answer your question though around cadences? Yes. I mean, those are kind of the general yes. guidelines in terms of what to avoid for B2B. I wouldn't be using Facebook or Instagram yeah. to get a hold of people. Um, there's just certain things that aren't as effective um, on the B2B side. And the other thing too, with LinkedIn, that I like as a social channel, it's, it's, it's expected that people have business conversations there. Right. It's a little bit different with Facebook and Instagram or Snapchat or wherever the kids are using these, TikTok, I guess is what kids are using yeah. these days. <laughs> I don't even know how that would work actually. I know, I, I don't either. Yeah, I'm like so with you on that, yeah. Ugh, okay. So, so if someone's just starting out with, you know, outbound, where, where would you suggest they start? Okay, so there's a couple of things. So I'm just gonna use that, uh, that outbound 3.0 triangle. So if you visualize a triangle, you would start with identify. So again, that's your ability to identify good fit accounts and contacts. And at this stage, what you wanna focus on to keep it really simple is segmentation. So you wanna build an ideal client profile. And the reason for this is, remember, we wanna move away from mass blast. So mass blast, in, from the prospect's point of view, it doesn't feel like it was meant for me. Yeah. And what you can do to build that ideal client profile is you can look at your company's past record of success with customers and just based on your past record of success, where do you have the most case studies and testimonials and that kind of stuff? Mm. And let's say that's with, you do really well with uh, professional services companies between 500 and 1,000 employees and you have two really good customers and case studies. That's going to be your ICP from there. And then look at who the decision makers that you guys have interacted with have been there and there's your personas. So that's where it starts. You have to have that segmentation. The next thing that you're gonna wanna do after you've created the ICPs and the personas is you wanna think a little bit about how am I gonna get these people's contact information? So this is the data component of this identify part of the triangle. And what you're looking for is data that is accurate and also stuff that you can get in a very efficient manner. So you might use a tool like Apollo.io. That'll allow you to put your ICP into the tool. You can search for those companies. You can find the people and they have emails and phone numbers and direct dials. 
So essentially what you're doing is building a list through Apollo. You could also use LinkedIn Sales Navigator and like Lead IQ is another tool that you could use together with that. Okay. So that is like the 80-20 of that first step. The next step, this engage portion, so essentially starting the conversations with your prospects is you want to have that one case study or two or three or however many you have, and you want to use that to start building your messaging. So the way that we structure this is I want to look for two or three like really big value props that I deliver to this type of client. And the reason why I say value prop um, instead of like benefits is you don't want to just focus on like, Hey, or what are all the features that I have that will help this, this prospect? And like, what is the benefit of that? Like you really need to go beyond that and look at like value and results. So I'll give you an example. So working with this company that has like an automated like QuickBooks solution. So like one of their features is, you know, daily bookkeeping. And like one of the benefits of that is, you know, you get to see the financials, like accurate financials on a daily basis. That's not really going to compel anyone to really take action. Uh, yeah. The result from that, because a lot of what their prospects share is, hey, when I open up QuickBooks, I see that I have a negative bank account balance. And then when I log into my bank account, I see a hundred grand in there. And that doesn't allow me to actually pay bills, cut payroll and like do all this other stuff. So the result is that it allows the business owner to make smarter business decisions so that when they log into QuickBooks, they're accurately seeing uh, what, what, their, what their bank balance is. You know, that, that's, that's the result. So you really need to figure out what are those like two or three really big pain points and challenges that your customers tend to have when they come to you? And then what are not the features and benefits necessarily, but what are the results that you can tie together with those? And that becomes the foundation for your messaging. So you have two or three big pillars. So with this example I just gave you, you know, one of those was like essentially giving the business sort of better optics into their financials so they can make better uh, financial decisions. Right. You're going to have two or three things like that. And then you're going to build your cadence. So your first email is only going to focus on that first value prop. And then you might send a follow-up email that just says, Hey, any thoughts or, Hey, did you check out the case study that I sent? And then when you go to cold call them, you're going to, your cold call, you're going to lead with that same value prop. So if you have 12 to 15 touches, you can spread out those touches across maybe two to three value props. This is a challenge people usually have where they're like, well, if I'm going to send six or seven emails and make four or five calls, what the heck am I supposed to say? Yeah. So, so don't blow all your value props in that first email, like leave yourself like more stuff to say. Um, so that's where I would go with that. And we can dig into that more if you want, because there's a lot to, you know, what to say in the email and like how to format it. But if I'm doing outbound for the first time, this is, that's essentially where I'm going to start. Do I have good ways to identify and like segment ICPs and personas? Do I have a way to get contact information? And then from there, build out that cadence and really come up with like your two to three value props that you could structure into your emails and your phone calls. Yeah, I think that's terrific. Thank you. Um, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have thousands of titles to choose from, as well as podcasts, Audible originals, guided meditations, and more. One of my favorite audiobooks is Everyone Deserves a Great Manager by Scott Miller. 
For me, I love being able to listen to it anywhere and across my devices without losing my place. And I think you will too. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to explore the variety of audiobooks and programs for yourself. Today we're speaking with Jason Bay about how to do cold outreach the right way. Okay, so what was I gonna ask you? Um, I, I mean, I, so I before we did the sponsor break, uh, I had asked you about where should people start? And I think you gave them, uh, the listeners, great information on that. Uh, I'm totally behind you know, everything you were saying about, you know, know who your ideal client is, you know, create your personas, do your research, all of that. You mentioned a couple of tools that I'm not sure uh, the listeners are familiar with. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could just talk, you know, sort of briefly about each of them to um, give them a better understanding of what yeah. they are. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So yeah, if we go back to that outbound 3.0, that, that triangle, that trifecta, mm -hmm. you have identify, engage, convert. So in the identify, um, so there's tools that will do all of this for you. There's tools that do pieces. So I'll, I'll start with the pieces first. Okay. So with that identify uh, stage, again, like the, the thing here is your ability to identify new accounts and companies that are a good fit and then find the people at those accounts. Right. So the tools that can help you do that uh, Apollo.io, it's A-P-O-L-L, Apollo.io. Uh, <laughs> and what Apollo, the, the category of software, it, it's called a sales engagement platform. And essentially what this is gonna do is if you think of like your sales funnel, this is gonna be at the very top of your sales funnel. Very, very top. So before a prospect even becomes a lead, this is managing that, uh, that communication. So when you send a cold email or make cold calls and like you're running these cadences that we talked about, it's going to help you manage all of those top of funnel activities versus using a CRM where you have to like manually enter these activities in. Mm, so it's going to be able to, uh, uh, Apollo's cool because it does both. So it's going to help you with the identify and the engage portion of this. So you can find accounts and contacts all in one place in there. So you don't even need LinkedIn sales navigator if you're using Apollo. And then you can also sequence people into those cadences. So you can build out the cadences. You can make calls through the platform. You send emails through it. And it's really freaking awesome. Uh, so if you, let's say you only want to do pieces of this because you have a CRM or maybe you're using another sales engagement tool like Outreach or SalesLoft, which don't do the list building component, there's a couple other options there. One is to sign up for LinkedIn Sales Navigator and then to use a tool called Lead IQ. And essentially what Lead IQ does is it's a Google Chrome extension and you could be running these searches in Sales Navigator for companies and contacts and you pull up the extension and whoa, this person's contact information pops oh. up. Email address, direct dial if they have it, um, other people at that account that you could reach out to, et cetera. Wow. Um, so that's one way of doing it. And then the sales engagement platform I really like, if you, uh, let's say you have the data portion taken care of using Discover.org or some other tool. I think Discover.org is actually bought up by Zoom Info now. Um, you might use outreach.io. That's like the industry favorite, I would say right now okay. in terms of sales engagement. And in, in terms of tools, 
if you used Apollo, you would have everything in one tool. That's what, that's what I would recommend um, for someone that wants to get started with this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like it because it's all right there. Yep. Okay. Which is rare. Like it is the wild, wild west right now with tools. I'll in bet. This, in uh, the outbound and prospecting space. It's, it's crazy. Well, and, and this is one of the challenges for salespeople mm -hmm. and small business owners, I think, is that they don't know what works and what doesn't. And they're all told, you know, um, use a CRM, do this, do that. They don't even know which CRM would be best or, you know, they, they just, yeah. it's just sort of crazy. G2.com. Have you heard of that site? No. Yeah, G2.com is a really awesome site. Think of it like Yelp, but for software. So oh. you can go in there and look and see all the reviews for CRMs based on if you're an SMB, mid-market, or enterprise. There's a sales engagement uh, section in there. There's marketing, like every tool you could possibly think of. There's ratings in there, and it's, it's really, really good. Wow, no kidding. Okay, that's great. Okay, so um, talk about why it's important to do cold outreach, even though, like if someone's saying, listen, I get all my business from word of mouth and referrals, <laughs> I know, but why do they still want to do <laughs> cold outreach? Hey, I'm not saying that stuff's bad. <laughs> I know. That is, that, the word of mouth referrals, those are the best. Yes. Uh, the only thing is that from what I have seen, and I'm sure you've seen your experience, you can't really scale a business on that alone. And if you yeah. are, dude, props to you. Like, you're awesome. So I see two things. And again, it's not outbound versus inbound. It's do both. Like, outbound works yeah. way better if you have a good inbound engine going because people are going to look at your website. They're going to see really great content, thought leadership, uh, great messaging, that kind of stuff. The reason for outbound, though, is a couple different things. So typically what I find is that there are companies I want to work with and because I'm not Google and ha don't have that type of brand recognition, they don't organically find me. So I'm thinking about, Hey, if I want to work with this SaaS company, that's 500 employees, they just got a ton of funding. They're, they got a lot of things going on. They're probably not going to find me through LinkedIn. I get on a lot of sales podcasts, but they may not find me through there. And most importantly, they might listen and like really like it, but that doesn't mean that they're ready to buy. And I might never hear from them. And I, I might have to go to a conference to meet them. Now, why go through all that work when I could just pick up the phone and call them and send them some emails and like really think about how could I get a relationship started with this company before they even enter a buying process so that I can have a conversation and like help them shape how they navigate through their buyer's journey. And that's what is really cool with Outbound is I love coming into a sales situation where they haven't already started talking to five of their vendors. Yeah. Because now it's like they, they've already shaped how they want to buy the solution and what the important things are. That doesn't really allow me to be very uh, consultative in, in selling to them, which is, right. which is my style. And I want to get in that, that buying conversation early. And I can also, it's really funny because I ran a house painting business in college. And it's the same kind of stuff. Like we went door to door to get all of our business. And I also ran a house painting business after that where we didn't go door to door and we did inbound. The leads that were the easier ones to close were the ones we went door to door to get because those were people that wouldn't have called a painter. 
we were the only bid that they got. <laughs> and they weren't like shopping. Whereas yeah. when we get leads through Yelp, they yeah. get like four or five estimates. And it's not that like our stuff wasn't competitive. It's just like, oh, I, I, I don't really close these very fast. It takes a month or two for them to get all the bids. And, you know, if I wasn't the first one to meet with them, some yeah. other painters, like all this other stuff. And the same thing happens in P2P sales. Yeah. So that's the big reason is there's big clients and companies out there that I know you want to work with if you're listening to this that aren't going to come to you organically. And this is right. a really good way to put yourself out there and say, hey, here's who we are. Here's our points of view on this. Here's how companies like yours are benefiting from whatever it is that we're doing. But most importantly, thought you'd find some value in this piece of content. So, so one, of, one of the things that I really like about this is what you were saying about building the relationship before they're even in that cycle mm -hmm. so that you are helping them before they are seeking whatever it is that you sell so yep. that you become, you know, that trusted connection for maybe be maybe helping them start exploring something maybe they didn't they weren't even thinking about it yet but also that when they are ready you're the one who's been there helping them already exactly and then use your inbound marketing nurture yeah contact with someone hey this sounds really good jason timing's not great check in with us two quarters from now q4 <laughs> yeah right? i'm not just gonna not contact them until now and then uh, I'm going to say, hey, you know, I put out our, you know, daily content on LinkedIn and through our newsletter and our website, and I really think you dig it for this reason. Can I sign you up for the newsletter so you get those email notifications? And then yeah. you can unsubscribe if you're not getting value from it. You yeah. know, and then we're going to keep in touch with them, but I become the first person that they think about. So this outbound, it's also, there's a long-term play to it too. Don't do it with the expectation that, oh, this is a great way to get business right away. It is because due to like, numbers mm -hmm. you're going to get a hold of enough people to find certain people that are in the buying window right and that's really great when you catch those people but you know, chet holmes uh what was that book ultimate sales machine uh they did a big study this is a while back so i don't know how close to this number it is but it's probably still the same it, they did a study with customers and they showed that only three percent of people that you're going to do outbound to are going to be in a buying window and I imagine that number is maybe even lower now, but the point is that it's not about catching them in the right buying window. It's about, is mm -hmm. this a company that I want to work with? And what kind of signs is this company showing that it would be a good fit for me to reach out to them? So there's also triggers, sales triggers that you can leverage too. And like for us, if we want to help companies with sales, a lot of times what I'm looking for is, are they hiring sales reps right now? That's ah. a pretty good indicator usually that they're growing. Yeah and they need fresh ideas on stuff and you know, that kind of thing. But there's all kinds of different triggers. Another really hot one right now that I use is LinkedIn. So I post a ton on LinkedIn and you know, every day, every weekday, and usually two out of those five posts really take off. They get a ton of views, ton of likes and comments. And then what I have my team go through and do is look at the people liking, commenting, and then viewing my profile that fit our ICP. And then I cold call them. <laughs> And that cold call, Dan, is the warmest cold call you ever, ever, you'll ever do. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Oh, Jason. Yeah, yeah, you wrote the, yeah, what's up, Jason? I was like, kind of crazy you're calling. That's how the call always goes. 
And then I can have a conversation with them and they already know who I am. Right. And again, it's not like I'm, they're going to buy something right away, but like talk about an easy way to get your foot in the door. Right. One other thing I want to share actually on that went a little bit of a tangent right now. You're okay. Uh, I, this works. Go ahead. <laughs> one other thing that's really, really cool about this too is a perspective change of, I don't need to do top down prospecting. So in other words, if I want to work with a company, you don't have to reach out to the C-level or the VP right away because those are oftentimes, yeah, they might be the decision maker and every study and anyone that's done B2B sales knows that there's multiple decision makers usually, yeah, right? right? So, but you don't have to do top down. One of the best ways to do it, I call it gathering insider info, is a lot of times it's the rep or a sales manager that is interacting with my content and I'll call them, not with the intention of setting an appointment with them, with the intention of gathering insider info. So what that might sound like mm -hmm. is, uh, hey, Dan, I was calling you. I noticed your company sort of, you know, you guys are doing a lot of hiring. And I just want to know, do you know who the best person to talk to at your company would be about, like, you know, just sharing some ideas on how you guys could do, you know, better with outbound and get higher response rates and simpler meetings and that kind of stuff. So I, I get from them who the right person is to contact. And then I ask them, you know, is, is it all right if I mention your name when I reach out to the person? So I can use their name and say, hey, Dan recommended that I reach out to you. And then I can also get some more info from this person about what's going on in the company. So what works really well, I just landed a meeting with a, a VP of marketing who handles the sales development and the prospecting at a company. And I talked to the sales rep. That was the first person I talked to. Hmm. And I just asked her, who's the right person to talk to? And like, what can you tell me about what's going on right now? I was like, what are your challenges? And she's like, yeah, I'm really having a lot of challenges with like this whole personalization thing. Mm. It's kind of bogging down our productivity and we don't know what personalization at scale really means. So imagine I go to the VP and that's the thing that I bring to the conversation. Yeah. I never would have been able to figure that out otherwise. And now right. I look really smart because I actually know what's going on inside their company. Yeah, right. It's like a advanced, huh. it's pretty advanced tactic. Um, yeah. Probably not good for someone that's like just getting started, <laughs> but you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to get a hold of the CEO or the VP. Yeah. I think that's great. Just pick I, up the phone yeah. and start talking to people and yeah. get an idea of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that is terrific. Now I have a question for you about the posting on LinkedIn. Is that in your status updates or those articles? Status updates. Okay, so that's what I thought. Okay. Articles are really not being rewarded very much in their algorithm. LinkedIn's going through a ton of stuff. I suggest giving it a test to see, you know, if your prospects are on there. You know, my ideal clients are sales, sales organizations, right? So salespeople are, are all over LinkedIn. It's not like that for every other business if yeah. you're not selling to salespeople or marketers or recruiters. That's a good point. That's really interesting. Okay. All right. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so sales teams that prospect successfully, do they have like something, anything in common? And if so, what would you say it is? Yeah, there's... I mean, it really comes down to those three things I mentioned before, this quality over mass blast approach, okay. this buyer-centric over product-centric, yeah. this teaching versus taking. Mm -hmm. The other thing, though, that we haven't really talked about, and these are 
some of the common roadblocks that I see more at the organizational level and not so much at the individual rep level. And there's four big roadblocks that I see happening. Uh, the first one is development. So lack of consistent coaching and training. I mean, do you see that in the companies you work with too? Where oh, they yeah. don't even do weekly like sales training. They oh, do like yeah. a product training once every other week and they do no one-on-ones and no training around like how to sell better. Well, yes, I totally see that. And the it's other crazy. thing they, and when they do sales training, they do role playing, which everybody hates and yeah. doesn't really get you anywhere. Yes, I, I, I totally see that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, call coaching is listening into the call and yeah. then providing feedback. It's not sitting next to the person and just listening to them. You have to hear what the prospect is saying too. Right. Right. And yeah, to your point, dude, role playing, there's a time and place for that, but that should be yeah. a very small part of it, like to get comfortable with something and then just live, live work, you know, yes. live training. Right. So that's the big thing. So if you picture like an inverse, like an upside down triangle, I would put that at the very top because that has like the biggest bang for your buck is mm. development with your team. The next one is collaboration. And I see a really big disconnect between marketing, sales, and customer success not working together. So the reason why this is problematic is that marketing is creating a lot of the sales copy and like the, the decks and things like that that sales is using, but marketing is having one-to-many conversations and sales is having one-to-one conversations. So if you get everyone in the same room, what you can do is sales can be like, hey, when I do phone calls and I talk to prospects, here are the pain points that they share with me. And what marketing can pick up from that is it's usually very specific pain points, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. with that software company. It's not, oh, uh, their problem is they don't have enough time. Okay. Or they're not as profitable as they'd like. Dude, that's every company. <laughs> right? No one's going to look at that and be like, oh, that really speaks to me. I don't have as much profit as, like, this doesn't happen. So when you get them in the same room, sales can also benefit from marketing, though. Because marketing is going to be like, hey, these pieces of content on our side are performing the best. Like, how can we repurpose these to add yeah. that value component, yeah. right? When you're prospecting, these are the headlines that perform the best. Maybe you can repurpose these into subject lines for your emails and et cetera. So I see lack, complete lack of collaboration. It's very siloed. The third part is outsourcing. So a lot of what I see is like reps doing their own list building and doing their own research. So they spend... Ah, Salesforce came out with a big study. I forget what the numbers are on this, but a lot of times in, in, in organizations, I see reps spending a third of their time on admin. They're not even like actually uh, selling and prospecting. Yeah. So outsourcing, list building, you can build an overseas team too. I mean, we have three virtual assistants that work with our company and they live in the Philippines. Yeah. We're really picky about who we hired and they speak great English and we're really developing them and they do all of our list building. They help us personalize stuff and we just really invested in them. So outsourcing either to a company that can handle it for you or actually you know, having like a sales enablement or sales ops team at your company is really big. And if you can get people for three to six bucks an hour, then are good. Um, and that's good money for them, by the way, in the Philippines and in parts mm. of India. So uh, and then the fourth part, and the reason why this is at the very bottom, because it's really the part that I don't see people having any problem with is tools. Usually what happens, uh, Diane, is that people, <laughs> they buy the tool first, 
and then they yeah. put like really terrible messaging through the tool and they upload a cadence and it's like the messaging sucks. It doesn't resonate with the prospect. There's no empathy and they've spent all this money on outreach or Apollo. So the tools are really the least important part of it. That's the mm -hmm. thing that's going to accelerate something that's already working. And you don't want to make the mistake of getting the tools too early. Figure out the process first manually, make sure it works, and then scale something that's actually working. That's so interesting. And that sounds like that then helps you figure out which tool you really need instead exactly. of getting one. Yeah. And, so and you can get a tool that will accommodate your workflow versus making yeah, your right. workflow accommodate the tool. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, those, those are huge. Uh, I completely see them. Um, yeah, people should really be listening to the, the importance of this conversation because they're doing it to themselves, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? Wow. Jason, I, I really appreciate this. This information has really been so valuable, tactical, you know, understandable. It's, it's really been terrific. Will you um, let the listeners know um, about Blissful Prospecting and, you know, how they can find you, please? Yeah, absolutely. So a, a couple of ways. So one, we didn't really talk about like what the email should say. And we gave some examples of what to say at a cold call. Uh -huh. But we have a structure called the reply method that is a one-page cheat sheet where you can actually get help with the framework of what this looks like. Oh. And I put something together for you guys. It's at blissfulprospecting.com slash Diane. And it's free, one-page uh, cheat sheet there. Uh, the other thing that you can check out too, if you're, um, you know, you're like, hey, this sounds really good. I might want some help with this. If you just go to our site at blissfulprospecting.com, uh, we have all kinds of, you know, different ways that we work with people, but I'd be more than happy to talk with you about what this might look like at your company or what other companies like yours are doing that are seeing success with that, if that's something that you're ready to do. And if not, check out the free stuff. There's a ton of content that we post. We're posting every day on LinkedIn, like I said, and that would be the best place to start to get a really good vibe of like, hey, do you resonate with this approach or not? Terrific. That's so great. Thank you. As I said, I mean, just, I, I really appreciate this conversation. I learned a lot. Um, I had some things confirmed, which is always good, but then I also yep. learned stuff. I'm gonna go look at some of those tools. Um, so, uh, so thank you for that. And listeners, thank you. This was a great episode for all of you. I think, you know, outbound selling is and prospecting is something everybody can use uh, ideas on and insights. And we got some really good ones today. I'd also like to thank audible.com. Check out uh, not only the audiobooks that you can find on audible.com, but also the podcasts, the daily news, the guided wellness programs, you name it. They, they have a lot going on over there. Uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up and uh, see what is going on there for you. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Full send with the driver? Check. Piercing iron through the wind? Check. Low checker, high spinner, flop to a tight pin? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all. The all-new TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern, engineered for more distance, more control around the green, and better stability in the wind, it's the hottest tour ball in golf. So no matter what shot you face, there's one ball that's better for all. 
the TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life. We've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.